this great carol together. Sing, go tell it on the Amen. Go tell it on the mountain. Good to see you this morning. Looking forward to tonight especially. If you don't know what tonight is, we have our Christmas program that our choir and our kids are uh, going to be sharing with you. want to encourage you to come back tonight at 6 o'clock for that. But just want to welcome you this morning, especially if you're there on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, any of those. Be sure to heart, to like, to share, to follow us, subscribe uh, on those platforms. Also, uh, welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming service there. If you need that phone number, we'll be glad to give that to you here in person. You can call the church office. We'll give that to you if you're online there and need to share that with someone. Uh, but wanted to say welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming. If you do have access to our church website, I uh, want to encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab that you can download the worship bulletin uh, for today. You can download uh, the children's worship bulletins. So be sure to do that if you need those in person. They're in the windowsill to my right. Uh, bulletins are all around in different places at the doors and the windows also. And then don't forget the prayer guides. If you need one of the prayer guides in person, they're on the table out here where your cards are. We'll say more about that uh, in a little while here. Uh, but want to encourage you to download that also if you're there at home on highlandbaptistchurch.com. We are so excited to have you with us uh, this morning. Looking forward to the service, looking forward to the uh, songs, to the message. Uh, so Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Take your hymnals and turn to hymn 88, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
Amen. As you notice on the screen and in your bulletins, you'll see that our missionary of the week is Ray Henry Holiday. He is serving in South Asia. Uh, he is actually from uh, Tennessee. Uh, he is working with a pioneer group of Project 3000 Explorers. Uh, he goes uh, six weeks at a time with, uh, to live among uh, one of his ten people groups uh, as he goes and shares the gospel there, uh, seeking to start and to plant new churches there in South Asia. Uh, we also this month are uh, emphasizing our Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. I want to encourage you, even though our week of emphasis for prayer uh, has ended, we still want to encourage you to be praying. Uh, so pick up one of those guides if you haven't got one. Uh, be praying for uh, those missionaries uh, and encourage you to take the time to do that. But we want you to uh, be praying also about giving towards that goal. And so we want to share with you again this morning another video of why we do Lottie Moon Christmas offering to keep those missionaries on the field uh, so they don't have to come back every few months to, to drum up new support for the next few months. Uh, so listen to this testimony from someone's life who's been impacted by our missionaries who are able to stay on the mission field. I decided to write a letter to a missionary couple from IMB who baptized me, mentored me, and discipled me during my life. And this is my way to say thank you to them. Dear Henry and Tasha, it's been a long time. I know we don't talk that frequently or had the chance to meet in person recently, even living in the same country, but I thought this could be a good opportunity to remind you how much I love you. Your friendship and companionship changed my life. From having conversations with a 16-year-old girl who dressed all in black about life and being a teenager to teach me the Bible at your house in Renee Street, to the summer camps to pray for me countless times, and many, many more memories. Well, most importantly, there was no relationship with the Lord. However, in your family, I felt true Christian love. The care and the kind words you both always had for me is something I always be grateful for. Also, I finally found a great example on how to form a family centered in Jesus, the way you raised your kids, the hospitality you always had with your neighbors and the love you had for each other made me realize that another life was possible. You supported my dream of living in the United States and most of all, you both taught me how to trust and surrender my life to Jesus. And even in the lowest times, I proudly say I live a joyful life, and the Lord is my shepherd. With him I lack nothing. I pray that many more lives could be touched by your love and care for the people. No matter the distance, you will always find a friend and a sister in Christ in me. Los quiero mucho, Fio. We needed to hear that. <laughs> yes, we did. That's because y'all were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? You can't do it by remote control. <laughs> you can't mail it in. You can't show up on a Thursday and leave on a Sunday. You have to stay there. Yeah. I, I think what was one of the most important things is that they were there. They were in your way. They were present there. In Spanish, we say, estaban con nosotros, vivían con nosotros. And that changed me. That affected my life um, personally. Mm -hmm. 
And that is what our missionaries do. They are there with the people, living amongst the people, sharing the gospel with the people. And so uh, part of that and supporting that, uh, this offering goes directly to uh, those missionaries who are on the international mission field, to missionaries like that who are in Uruguay. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray for Ray Henry Holiday in South Asia and our missionaries all around the world. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the blessing of this day. Thank you so much for uh, our missionaries who have answered the call to go and to serve. And Father, we thank you that we have the cooperative program that uh, as we give every Sunday uh, goes to support those missionaries also to keep them on the mission field. Lord, we especially thank you for this Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, that goes directly to the field there. And Father, we just pray that uh, you would have your hand upon those missionaries as you've called them, as you place them where they are uh, to live amongst the people. Uh, Father, I pray that you will open up opportunities uh, just like we heard about uh, in the testimony of this young lady in Uruguay. Father, we just pray that you will open up many opportunities around this world for all of our missionaries to share the gospel, especially here at Christmas. And Father, I just pray your special blessings and your protective hand upon our missionaries. Lord, impress upon our hearts what we might give towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, to help us to reach our goal from our church in supporting those missionaries and we just ask your blessings that as that offering goes forward to help them father we pray that you will uh, help us to realize that's a part of us here being connected to those missionaries sharing the gospel in places we wouldn't be able to go to or even to live at and so father we just ask your blessings on this offering lord we pray that you would be with us this morning too as we come to worship you uh, sometimes we come lord with heavy hearts and we just ask god that you would lift those burdens off of us uh, lord that we would come and give ourselves and our our hearts and our lives completely to you. We ask for your will to be done uh, in this service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let me just encourage you again uh, there that you can, if you're at home, you can do your online giving. Uh, you can do your regular offering giving there by going to the far right-hand side on the website there at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Click the Give Online tab there. Real easy platform. A lot of people use it. A lot of people like it. Uh, and so I encourage you to do that. You can set it up as a recurring gift uh, so that it just automatically uh, drafts from your bank account each time. Uh, you can also designate to specific offerings like the International Missions offering, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So I encourage you to take the time uh, to do that. Two quick things, well, three quick things that I want to say to you. Uh, again, I've already mentioned this morning about tonight. I want to encourage you to be here uh, for that. If you're on the kitchen ministry team, I uh, want to encourage you, we do need just a little help as far as servers uh, tonight, especially if you don't have kids uh, who are in the program that you could leave a few minutes uh, there at the end to go back to help with just a little bit of serving. Uh, not a lot of prep work, all that will be done. Uh, but just want to encourage you, if you're on that uh, kitchen ministry team, if you don't know if you are, look at the sheets that are out on the board across from the offices there. Uh, so take time to look at that. And then also, you're going to hear this again. Uh, be sure to pick up your cards. We've got lots, tons of cards uh, that are back here in the hallway. Uh, we have our mailbox back there, so I want to encourage you uh, to take the time. Look, you may think, I don't have anything back there. You probably have something back there <laughs> that will sit there till January or February if you don't go and check. We have that happen every single year. And so be sure to go back there and pick up your cards uh, today and next week also as people continue to bring their cards. If you've not brought your cards and you want to share those with individuals, bring those. We've got some ladies who are helping back there to sort those. Uh, so just bring them, drop them off there, and they'll be glad to help you in doing that. Thank you. 
Our next hymn is the first Noel. <coughs> and no, I didn't misspell that. There are two spellings for the word Noel, which means Christmas. N-O-E-L, N-O-W-E-L-L. And if you've been born in the 1700s, you would know that that's the correct spelling for you. <laughs> Join us. For this next song, join by standing and let's sing Breathe On Me. Children can, the children's church can join over here on the piano side, but join the choir as we sing Breathe On Me. Breathe on me. 
Thank you so much. What a beautiful, beautiful song. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to John's Gospel in John chapter 20, verse 19, down through verse 29, as we continue our walk through the life of Jesus. And you may be wondering, how in the world are you tying Thomas into Christmas, preacher? Well, you'll see in just a little bit here. Uh, that we'll get to some of it. Because it is. It's all so intertwined uh, with one another as you get uh, to studying the Scriptures. You know. So we're going to begin with just uh, verse 19, chapter 20. So would you stand and read God's Word in honor of God's Word with us. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. What a powerful, simple verse. Lord, that as Jesus comes into the room with those disciples, he says to them, Peace, peace be with you. Lord, that is what we need so much in our lives this morning. That is what we need in our community. That is what we need in our world today is peace. And so we pray, Lord, for peace. We pray for peace that passes all understanding. Peace that only comes from the Prince of Peace. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you will speak your truth into our hearts. Lord, that we would see who we really are. Lord, that we would respond to you as we need to in this message. And that we would make the good news of the message of the gospel known to the people around us. That we would make the name of Jesus known to the world. In whose name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. The Bible has two parts, as you know. The Old Testament... And the New Testament. The New Testament has 27 books, four Gospels to tell the life of Jesus, 21 letters to explain the meaning of Jesus for our lives, one history about the early church, and one book of prophecy. And all 27 of those books deal with Jesus as alive, risen from the dead, and the central living reality in the universe today, he himself being very God and very man. And so what I want to do first here as we go into this passage, you saw my title there this morning, Which Thomas? And you may be wondering, what does this part have to do with Thomas? You'll see as we lay out the foundation here for what happens uh, to get to the passages uh, about Thomas. So first what I want to do here in this message is to look at Jesus' first appearance here to all of these frightened disciples after the resurrection. What I want us to see is how did Jesus, the, the risen Jesus, act and what did the risen Jesus say? 
So how did he act and what did he say? That first appearance to the disciples as a group happens in verse 19 down through verse 23. And so I want you to see first off here the appearance to the ten. Now we say ten because we know one is not there, as we're going to find out in a little bit. Thomas is not there, so he's one of the eleven who are left. You remember that Judas has already gone out and hanged himself, so he's already off the scene. He's already gone. And so there's only eleven left, and ten are in this upper room uh, when Jesus appears. And so uh, we find here that Jesus' appearance to these frightened disciples, uh, we find several truths that impacted their lives and will impact our lives. Three facts and how Jesus deals with us. So this evening on this passage here on, of the Sunday that he arose from the dead, it's evening time here. Uh, the morning time, Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene in verses 1 through verse 18. Now he appears to ten of the disciples at once. And notice three things. The doors are locked. The disciples are frightened, and Jesus comes to them and stands in their midst. Those three facts tell us three things that we know about how the risen Christ deals with us today. Notice, first of all, the doors were locked in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were. So we see that Jesus, when he comes, he doesn't have to knock on the door. Uh, he, he didn't even have to open the door. He was just simply there. Uh, he wasn't a ghost. Uh, verse 20 uh, tells us that. If you look at verse 20, it says, When he said this, he showed them his hands and, and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So he, he wasn't a ghost. Uh, in Luke 24, verse 39, uh, he tells them, he says, See my hands, uh, see my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And so he has a physical body, uh, but not exactly like ours. In other words, it's the same, but there's something different about it. He was simply there in spite of the closed doors, which means today in our lives, Jesus can go where no one else can go. Jesus can go where no counselor can go. Jesus can go where no doctor can go. Jesus can go where no family member, no spouse, no friend can go. He can reach you and he can reach into you anywhere at any time. And understand this, there's no place where you are, there is no depths of personhood that you are that Jesus cannot penetrate. It doesn't matter how far away from God that you think you are. He can penetrate to your very heart. And so because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, he can do what no one else can do. There's no one else like him in all of the universe. He's alive, and he's the one and only God-man. What he's capable of, we can't even imagine. And it's a healing wonder to, to contemplate that, that all the complex layers, uh, of all the complex layers that make up your life, that neither you nor anyone else can understand, God understands. Jesus understands because he is God in the flesh. So the doors were locked. Secondly, we see that they were afraid. You see that again there in verse uh, 19 there. Uh, so think about it. Think about what's happened here. Their leader has just been crucified as a threat to the Caesar. 
<clears throat> their fear is totally understandable because what do they think? They think, who's next? Our leader has been crucified. What are they going to do to us as his followers? And so their fear is totally understandable. And it's into that fear that Jesus comes and appears. Now, I suppose I want to draw your attention to this because this is the way we so often feel about our need for the risen living Savior, Jesus Christ, so often. We feel fear. Fear that, that I won't be prepared for, for what I'm expected to do. Fear that we won't have done what we needed to do when we have to stand before Jesus. Fear that we, we won't have been where we needed to be or helped who we needed to help. Fear that we and our family uh, will make a shipwreck of our faith. Fear that we won't have the faith to die well. <clears throat> Fear that we, we might drift into worldliness and uselessness. And what Jesus is saying in this action is, I come to my own when they're afraid. When you're afraid, know that Jesus is there. He's saying, I don't wait for them to, to get their act together. I don't wait for them to have enough faith to overcome fear. I come to help those uh, and help them to have enough faith to overcome fear. And, and I can testify myself. You can probably testify uh, too. I can testify myself that almost 50 years of being a Christian is still true. The risen, living Jesus is still doing this. He, he comes when we cry out to him in our fear. And he helps us. We've called out, we call out to him uh, thousands of times throughout our lifetimes, Jesus, please help me. And every single time he has come near with the promise of Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 that says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Know this this morning, that if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then know this, that he'll do this too for you if you'll just receive him into your life for who he really is. So Jesus comes in the midst of our fear. Notice thirdly also that Jesus comes to them and stands in their midst, as verse 19 goes on to say. So the point here is that he comes right into the middle of their meeting. He doesn't wait for them to get finished. He doesn't wait for them to, to stop talking. All of a sudden, in the middle of their conversation, Jesus appears. Uh, he didn't come to the edge and, and call out to the, through the wall to, to deal with them as some distant God. Uh, he wasn't playing games with them. He wasn't toying with their faith. He wanted them to see him and know him and believe in him and love him. And understand, that's what he wants for you today. And that's what I want for you today. I want you to experience the living Jesus, to know him, to, to have him, to draw near into your life where no one else can go, to have him help you in your fear the way that nobody else can help you.
and to have Him come to you, close to you, not calling to you from some distance, but coming right into the midst of your life. There are a lot of people during this season of life and, and this season of the, of the year that are going through so many difficult things. And what you need the most is Jesus in your midst. And that's what I pray happens in this service even. And so that's the way he acts as the risen living Christ. Now, what does he say? What does he say? Look at verse 19 down to verse 23 again. So Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So what we see in this first appearance to the disciples is, is that he says three things, or four depending on how you count them. Uh, with these Three things turn out to be three gifts, if you will, to us. The gift of peace, the gift of power, and the gift of purpose. Jesus saves us from ruining our lives by he himself becoming our peace, becoming our power, becoming our purpose. Notice what he says, first of all, peace be with you. How many times does he say that in those verses? Two times. We've said this before, anytime you're studying the Scripture and something's repeated over again, even if it's just two times, it's important. You need to pay attention to what's being said. The disciples needed to hear this message again. Peace be with you. That's a message every single one of us need to hear this morning. Peace be with you. Two times he says that in verse 19 and verse 21. Before Jesus says anything about the power or, or purpose that he wants to establish peace in their lives. And, and so the order here is really important because the peace that Jesus gives is before and underneath any of our empowered actions, any of our purposeful deeds. We don't initiate peace with Jesus by our actions. He initiates peace with us. And so the peace that Jesus offers these disciples is peace that he accomplished when he died on that cross. And that's why he's saying, in what he's saying in verse 20 there, uh, when he shows up uh, to show them his hands and to show them his side. He's saying, I'm the one who died for you. I'm the one that you abandoned. I'm the one who, as Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, I am the one who was pierced for your transgressions. I was crushed for your iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. He's saying here in these verses that the reason that I can offer you peace is because of my precious blood that's been shed from my body. I've covered all of your sins. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, a verse that is so familiar to us at the Christmas season especially, that says this, For unto us a child is born, 
To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. So he's saying to his disciples, he's saying, look here at my hands, look here at my side. I made peace with these. Justice has been satisfied by these nail prints in my hands and my feet, by this piercing in my side. Peace between you and God, peace between you and me, he's saying, was established with these. He brings peace to us this morning, peace between us and him, peace between us and God, peace between us and others who are in Christ. He brings peace with the world, peace between us and our own souls. Oh, the precious peace of a clear conscience. A lot of people need that in their hearts today. Because you may be here this morning, you may be watching online, and you may be feeling a sense of overwhelming guilt and defeat. Feeling like, I just can't forgive myself for the past. But that's what Good Friday's for. Peace with yourself doesn't mean that you start seeing those past sins as desirable things. Peace doesn't mean that past sins cease to be painful. It means they cease to be paralyzing in your life. The pain may not be taken away immediately, but the penalty is taken away immediately through Jesus Christ. And that makes it possible for you to begin to heal from the inside out and to move to a hope-filled life while you do. And we either receive that peace or we turn and we walk away from it. Or rather, in fact, we turn and we walk away from him. Because what did we say in Isaiah? He is the Prince of Peace. So when you reject the peace that he's offering you through the free gift of salvation, you're turning your back and walking away from him. And let me just point out here that the power and the purpose that Jesus gives, both are mentioned in verse 21 and verse 22. So he says in verse 21 to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. We sang that song just a few moments ago. Breathe. On me. That's what he means. He's breathing the Holy Spirit out upon us. So, so notice that again. He's saying there, as the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. That's the purpose for our lives. And then he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. That's the power. 
So uh, being sent is the purpose. Receiving the Holy Spirit is the power. The, the risen living Jesus came to them and he's come to us. He has sent them and he has sent us the Holy Spirit. He has breathed on them and he is breathing on you this morning. The Holy Spirit, this power is our only hope for accomplishing the purpose he has for us as a church. For the purpose he has for us as believers, the purpose he has for us as his family. And he gives that purpose there in verse 21, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. I want to live in the world. He's saying, I want you to live in this world as my representatives, as my ambassadors. I want you to take my peace and take my power and glorify my Father the way I have. Understand that our central purpose for our existence, he says it's this. He says, I'm sending you to extend my peace and my light and my truth and my life into this world. He's saying to these disciples and he says to us, I'm going to the Father, but I give you my spirit. I am the power in you, so go and glorify me in this world. That is our purpose. There is no other purpose for us. That's our main purpose. In the peace of God, by the power of God, to do the will of God for the glory of God and for the good of others. And in verse 23, notice he says... An interesting verse that we think, what is this in here for? He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So why have that verse in the middle of all of this? Why have that message in the middle of all this? What he's saying <coughs> is, he's saying, when you tell people about what I have done, when you are speaking my word about my work and the power of my spirit, he's saying, I am the one who is speaking through you. So that if anyone believes your word, I forgive their sins. And if anyone doesn't believe your words of the word of God, I, I don't forgive them. And, and since you are my voice and you are my truth, I speak to you, I speak of you forgiving them, and I speak of you withholding forgiveness. So what does all this have to do with Thomas. He wasn't there to get in on all that Jesus said and all that Jesus did with the other ten. And so because of that, I want you to see some, uh, some things here about Thomas that ought to make us question, which Thomas are you? We're going to see three different pictures here of Thomas in verse 24 down to verse 29. Uh, we're going to see that, that God can move people from the place of fear and doubt to the place of worship and belief. What I want you to see is that the discouragement of verse 24 that we see here, verse 24 says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So it discourages Thomas here. And so in the discouragement of verse 24, he wasn't there. We're going to see the doubt in verse 25 uh, that he says, I won't believe unless I see. All of that has to be set against the declaration 
of verse 28 where he says, My Lord and my God, and the decree in verse 29, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Thomas, we find out there, had a couple of different nicknames. One is the doubter. We call him Doubting Thomas. The other is Didymus, uh, which means twin. So in the ESV, it's translated twin there in verse 24. He, he says, I, it, it, now I don't know if Thomas here actually had a biological twin, but he has had some spiritual twins. In fact, he has uh, had some spiritual triplets because we're going to see these three different snapshots of Thomas in this text that lead us to the question of which Thomas are you? So notice the first Thomas, the pouting Thomas, the pouting Thomas. Now one scholar, one scholar proposes here that Thomas was full of grief and his emotion had driven him away. So let's read verse 24 and verse 25 again. So now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and, the place, and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Wow. Strong words. And so all of that grief and all of that emotion he's experiencing has driven him away. Chuck Swindoll uh, calls him pessimistic and melancholy here. At first, he can hardly be blamed. I mean, the Savior that he had followed and, and had, die, had, had, had just died. Uh, but the other disciples, I mean, they're on cloud nine. Uh, they experienced seeing Jesus walk into the midst of that room in, in all of their fear. They're on cloud nine for a whole week. Thomas, he's still down in the pit of despair. Why the difference? Why is he pouting and they're praising? Well, think about it. Why are some church members in the church filled with joy and gladness while others live like Jesus is dead? Why do some clap and sing while others are down in the dumps? Why do some weep with joy? <coughs> while others are bored to tears. I believe there's at least two significant reasons. He missed the assembly of the saints. That's what we see in verse 24 there. We don't know why he wasn't there, but we do know what a couple of the reasons for his absence were not. He wasn't absent because he was lost. I mean, he was one of the twelve. But something had happened in his heart that had discouraged him. It's worth noting that only two of the twelve missed the assembly. One doubted Jesus, the other betrayed Jesus. Thomas's absence had put him in some pretty shady com company. He also wasn't absent for fear of dying. That wasn't the reason he was not there. John 11, verse 16, uh, when, when Jesus is facing the death of, of Lazarus, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to him. And so Thomas, in verse 16, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Let's go with Jesus, and if we die, we die. He wasn't afraid to die for Jesus. He wasn't absent because he didn't care where Jesus was. 
Remember back in John chapter 14 when Jesus said that he was going to prepare a place and somebody asked, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know the way? Who was that? Thomas. One commentator said that he was no coward. He had probably simply broken down under the pressure of the last few days and his way of dealing with the problems was to be alone. You ever had that experience in your life? You're pressured by all the things of life and you feel like I just need to be away from everybody and everything I need to get away. Sometimes we need that. But the problem is we don't need to stay there. It's good to get away for those times of refreshment and reviving and getting back with the Lord uh, and getting alone with the Lord. But don't stay there alone by yourself. Some may think it's self-serving for a preacher to say, uh, that, that, but, I, but I'm convinced that a lot of Christians live a defeated life because they've never been fully committed themselves to the systematic gathering of God's people at church. In other words, they don't come to church regularly. Now, generally speaking, we do what's important to us. So notice he missed the assembly of the saints, but he also missed the assignment of the Savior in verse 25. So he says, in essence, I've not seen him, and he hadn't. I mean, notice that the problem wasn't just that he hadn't seen the risen Lord. He hadn't heard the resurrected Christ either. So back in verse 21 to 23, Jesus had said, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Remember, he breathed on them, gave them that assignment about declaring the good news of forgiveness. There's no more miserable Christian than the one who stays away from God and, and not pouring their life into the lives of others. One reason a lot of Christians live like defeated Christians is that they're not serving, uh, isn't that Jesus, serving Jesus, it's because they're defeated Christians that are not serving Jesus. I don't know how many people, the other disciples, had been telling about the resurrection. But you could just imagine after that day when Jesus appeared for that whole week, they're telling everybody they could see, we saw him. We saw the nail prints in his hands. We saw his side. It was him in the flesh. I don't know how many they told, but I know how many Thomas told. Zero. One of the surest ways to be a pouting Thomas is to take in and take in and take in and never give out in service to others. In verse 24, Thomas is a powder because he's not where he should be and he's not doing what he should be doing. So the question for us this morning is first, is are you a pouting Thomas? Or are you a doubting Thomas? Notice in verse 26 down to verse 27. So verse 26 and verse 27 says, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. 
Now, I believe it's possible to live as a Christian with doubt. In fact, if you tell me that you've never had doubts about your faith or, or your salvation, I doubt that you're probably really saved. But there are two very specific and practical reasons for his doubt. Think about it. Thomas is attending a, a group of people here, his, his fellow disciples. He's attending a fellowship here where, where in the last week, Jesus has showed up bodily in physical form. They are celebrating. They are rejoicing. There were shouts of praise. There were tears of joy, but not for Thomas. Why not? He hadn't listened to the preaching. That's what verse 26 is talking about. Thomas had been filled with fear and doubt because he hadn't heard the message of Jesus. A week earlier, Jesus had proclaimed this exact message uh, to the other disciples. And so if you compare this scene in verse 19 through verse 23, you'll think you'll see, you're seeing it all again, deja vu all over again. Jesus has the same introduction. Look at verse 19, look down to verse 26. He walks through a shut door. Talk about an entrance. He gives the same declaration in verse 19 and verse 21 and again in verse 26. Peace be with you. Jesus offers the same illustration in verse 20 and verse 27. He says that he has, uh, here, here's, my here's my hands, uh, here's my side. Look at them. In fairness, Thomas is here now. So what's the big deal? He didn't have what he didn't have because he didn't hear what he didn't hear. And the reason he didn't hear isn't because it wasn't being said, it's because he wasn't there to hear it. The reason some people struggle when they do come is because of all they missed when they did not come. You don't know the songs. You don't know the language. You don't know the emphasis of the church. I mean, think about this. How well do you think a student would be doing if, in school if they only went two days a week? Now, the kids don't get no ideas. <laughs> You're not going only two days a week. But what if you only went two days a week? That's 40% of the time. Truth is, they wouldn't even be making a 40. They'd probably be making a zero. What Thomas missed when he was gone caused him not to understand the lesson when he was present. Understand this, if you miss church every chance you get, you'll never grow in Christ. You'll never live, uh, you, you'll always live a life of fear and a life of doubt. He hadn't listened to the preaching or the message, and he hadn't looked at the proof. It's not that the proof hadn't been made available. He, by his willing absence, hadn't looked at it. The response of Jesus in verse 27 reminds us that Jesus knows everything. Because notice how Jesus approaches it this time. He says, Thomas, take a look here. Look at my hands. Thomas, look at my feet. Thomas, look at my side. I know what you said a week ago. That's what he's saying to Thomas. I know what you said. Understand this, God knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your doubts. Nobody had to tell Jesus. He already knew it. I'm grateful that the Lord Jesus answers 
sincere questions in response to sincere doubt. Thomas had some sincere doubts, and Jesus comes to him to answer his question. James Montgomery Boyce says, we have no right to demand anything of him, yet he who created us and has died to redeem us stoops to provide what we need. If you're here this morning and you're struggling in your walk with Jesus, if you will ask a sincere question of Jesus, Jesus will give you a straightforward answer. Notice that he doesn't give Thomas a lecture in faith. He doesn't give a discourse in soteriology or eschatology, and you say, I don't even know what that is. That's okay. Because if you question whether or not he is who he says he is, he won't take you to the halls of, of theological education. He'll take you by faith to a hill called Calvary. And you'll see the Lamb of God hanging on a cross between two thieves, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And by faith, you will see them place those nails in his hands and his feet. And by the power of the Spirit, you'll see him wrapped up and seemingly conquered by the cold, cruel hands of death. But watch him get up from the dead. And you'll be declaring, there are a lot of things I don't know, but I know that my Redeemer died for my sins and got up from the dead. You, you may be a pouting Thomas this morning, upset, put out with God or with God's people. You don't have to leave that way this morning. Come back and enjoy the fellowship of God's people. You may be here this morning and you're a doubting Thomas, actively serving but honestly struggling. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. If you'll pour out your heart to him, my Jesus will strengthen your faith. So the question is, are you a pouting Thomas, as verse 24 and 25 says, or are you a doubting Thomas, as verse 26 and verse 27 says, or are you the third option? As verse 28 and 29 tells us, a shouting Thomas. Notice verse 28. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Somebody said a Pentecostal is somebody who acts like he loves Jesus more than you do. The old song says, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. I believe that. I, I don't think you just have to wait until we all get to heaven to do that. Notice the spontaneous worship of Jesus there in verse 28. Now that Thomas has seen and Thomas has heard, notice that he doesn't have to be propped up. He doesn't have to be coached. He doesn't have to be coerced. He didn't need 17 verses of, of, of power in the blood. He expresses it properly. My kairos, my theos, my Lord, my ruler, my God. No one in the Gospels had previously called Jesus God. What a powerful thing to see in that. Nobody. Those other ten disciples who saw Jesus a week ago, not one of them do we read called Jesus God. 
but Thomas does. One statement sets Jesus on the throne of the universe. The other places him on the throne of the heart. And here Thomas expresses it personally. My Lord, my God. Thomas's confession reminds us here that secondhand faith will never do. In other words, your parents making a decision to receive Christ will never do for you, young people. Uh, husband, the decision of your wife will never do for you. You have to personally make a decision yourself. Wife, the same way. Every single one of us have to make that personal decision ourselves. My Lord, my God, Thomas's confession there. And, and so it, he expresses it personally. He expresses it also publicly. Notice the word answered speaks of a response. One Greek lexicon says this word means to begin to speak, but always where something has preceded, either said or done, to which the remarks refer. And so he's, re he's responding publicly to what has just happened in his life. And then notice the sufficient word about Jesus in verse 29 to 31. In those verses, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Somebody says, Boy, if I could just see a miracle, I'd believe. Somebody else says, boy, if I just had all the answers. But somebody says, preacher, I'd be saved if you could tell me the answer to this question. You don't need someone to do all of those things because you have enough right here in the Word of God to believe. You might ask, how do I get there? How do I get past my pouting? How do I get past my doubting? I want to be a shouting Thomas. Well, the great hymn writer, B.B. McKinney, has a great word for every Thomas here today. Is your soul burdened down with its load of sin? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Throw your heart open wide. Let the Savior in. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. You may be here this morning or you may be watching online and you find yourself as a pouting Thomas. Something's knocked you off track. Something's interrupted your life and you've lost your focus. Why don't you get back on track for Jesus? You may be here this morning as a doubting Thomas. Questions about life, even about the Lord, those things have gotten you sidelined. Quit worrying about what you don't know and serve Jesus because of what you do know. And if you do, if you do that, you'll be just like Thomas was here at the end. You'll be a shouting Thomas, and the cry of your heart will be, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is my Lord. He is my God. Father, I pray this morning that we would shout it from the mountaintops, that we would go and tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born, that Jesus Christ lived and died on a cross for our sins in our place. He made a way when there seemed to be no way so that I don't have to stay as a pouting Thomas. 
I don't have to stay as a doubting Thomas. I can be this morning a shouting Thomas if I trust in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Father, I pray this morning that if there are any who are here or watching online who have never done that, Father, I pray they'd call out to you and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I believe in what Jesus did for me. Come into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. And Father, you tell us in your word that if we confess Jesus with our mouth as Lord and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So Father, I pray there'll be those who would come this morning, maybe those who would respond online that they've trusted in Jesus this morning. But Father, there are a multitude of us who are here and even watching online who we already have done that. We already know Jesus, but somewhere along the way we started pouting. Somewhere along the way, maybe we even started doubting. But you want to get us back to the place of shouting, Jesus is my Lord. He is the Prince of Peace. Father, I pray that we would make the most of this opportunity we have in the days that we have because we none know when the last day is going to come for any of us. When we're going to draw our last dying breath, it happens every single week. A couple of pastors passed away this past week that I know of. Last moments on this earth. It can happen to anybody. So, Father, I pray that we'll make the most of these opportunities, especially at this time of Christmas, that we would tell others what this season really is all about. Not Santa Claus, not the presents under the tree, not the decorations, but it's Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, only trust him. Will you come this morning to trust him? Brother Mike, come and lead us. As we stand, would you sing? can be seated for just a moment. Brother Mike's going to share our announcements. Miss Linda has an announcement. We'll have her come up.
up here again, and he wants you to know that if you are a kid birth through fifth grade, you are invited to a Happy Jesus birthday party this Wednesday from 5.30 to 7.15. We'll meet in the Fellowship Hall foyer to begin with. Um, come comfortable, wear your pajamas. If you want to bring a gift for Jesus, let's see what you might bring. Oh boy, everything, everything a baby needs. Diapers or pull-ups that are going to be given to life choice in Jesus' name. 5 p.m. today, if you want to help decorate and put some games together, um, I'll be grateful. Pay attention to the announcements that are actually in the bulletin. Uh, today, tonight, the Christmas cantata will be with the children and singing with the choir. So uh, please, please uh, support them. Also, birthday party for Jesus, as mentioned on 20. Church offices closed, as referred to in the bulletin. Also want to uh, remind you again, go check your Christmas cards. If you haven't checked yet, Go check. If you think you don't have one, go check. But uh, you'll get a blessing probably. Uh, anyway, another announcement we want you to know is to remember Brother Robert Everett. Remember him. He has surgery in the morning and it's two knee surgeries at the same time. So please pray for him. Uh, anything else? Anybody have another announcement you want to make? Remember Brian, he has a follow-up tomorrow with, uh, with his uh, doctor. So, yes, Miss Judy? We need more books and Bibles for the center. We probably need to maybe 24 books and less than a dozen Bibles. Okay. People have been coming and being blessed and taking away those materials. Okay. So the materials that you've been carrying down for the, to be handed out down at the, uh, uh, whatever that building's called down there. Uh, Keep bringing it. Miss Judy needs Bibles and those other books that you've been bringing. So bring those in for them to hand out. Okay. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today, for your blessings, for your word that's been shared, the songs that's been lifted in praise. Lord, we, we don't deserve anything, but we thank you for what you have blessed us with. For this season, we, we worship the child but are blessed because that child grew and was used as the perfect lamb for our sins. Lord, I pray you be with us as we leave this place today. Protect us and bring us back safely tonight, Lord, as we have a, a time of fellowship and song and praising you again tonight. Lord, we love you and we'll talk later. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>